0: All right, this morning we are honored to have uh, guest speaker, uh, Pastor Larry De La Garza and his wife, uh, Rachel, with us. They were here last week, and he's brought family with them. And we just want to, you know, just give all of them a warm welcome. Larry, why don't you come on up? Uh, Glad you guys are here. We're honored to have you. Let's give it up for Pastor Ron. Come on, guys. I tell my wife all the time, I cannot believe he's only 68. And I say only because this guy has more energy than me sometimes. I'm trying to keep up with him. Your pastor, like I said last week, has been one of the guys that has welcomed me like no other. Um, My wife and I in Santa Fe. He just has a huge heart for the city. And most importantly, your pastor has a huge heart for people. And that is why you guys are here. Because he is about people. And I love that about your pastor. I love his family. I hit it off with his son already. And I'm just praying that his son becomes my best friend because... I want to fish, I want to hunt, and I just want to hang out with them all the time. Uh, my outfit changes when I do that, I promise, okay? And I know you're probably thinking, you don't look like you could like rough it out, but I promise I can rough it out. Uh, so I have my family here. It just happened to be my grandparents are here, my aunts here. Uh, this is not like my first time preaching, so my whole family came. Uh, so I want you to, you can like relax right now. Um, they're visiting on vacation, and uh, they came to hang out with me and my wife in Santa Fe. And um, so they just happened to be here, and I just happened to be with you guys this morning. I'm really excited about this morning, not because of, uh, it's another day that we live, but God is doing something in the city of Santa Fe. Amen. He's moving in the city of Santa Fe, and he's, br- he's bringing people to the city of Santa Fe that normally would not think to come to Santa Fe. I mean, come on, I'm from California. I-, I used to go to the beach like every Monday. I used to go to a lot of different beaches. All my surfboards are in Taos in a barn, if that makes sense. One of them is still not inside, and I'm kind of offended because I told my father to make sure that thing is inside because that's my most expensive one. He's like, doesn't it get wet anyways, you know? So it's still out. I'm still a little offended on that. But, you know, God is moving in Santa Fe. I mean, I love California, but for some reason my wife got here to Santa Fe. We just felt like it was home. We just felt like, man, we've been here our whole life. Uh, me and Pastor Ron been gathering and meeting, having breakfast and coffee and some stuff. And we just say like we feel like we've known each other forever. It just seems like we know each other. So I'm just glad to be home. When I say home, you're probably thinking, you just got here, man. You don't look like you're from here. You don't talk like you're from here. You don't act like you're from here. But I am just want to let you guys know, I'm home. So you can't kick me out. I'm staying. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. So, so go to Orlando. Let's start playing a little bit. So Orlando kind of tapped into something a little bit. Before I dive into God's word, I want to go in this one more time. Because... You woke up this morning, right? You're breathing this morning, right? You got here. You could have stayed in bed. You could have stayed watching TV. You could have stayed watching Joel Osteen, which is way better than me. What you got here? You could have, going to go eat someplace because they have some amazing restaurants in Santa Fe, which I'm finding out. My wife already has me on a diet. You know, you could have been somewhere else this morning, but you chose to come to the light. And if you're here, why not get something out of it? You know, when I come to church every morning, whether I'm sitting like you in the seats, or whether I'm preaching, or whether I'm serving people, I expect to get something from God every single time I come. So when you came this morning, what are you expecting from God? Are you just so used to coming to church on Sundays and just checking it off the list? I did it. You know don't get into heaven by works and checking things off the place. It's through salvation. So you've got saved. you received Jesus Christ, your Lord and personal Savior. There's so much more to God. Orlando was really tapping into something in the worship team. I don't know if you understand how powerful your worship is. Do You know that you were created to be a worshiper? I mean, I talk to God all the time. And, and I say, God, why can I not have a voice? And he's like, he's you don't like, even answer me back. It's been like, 34 years now, he hasn't answered me back. So I gotta have a talk to him when I get up there. I tried to try it out for your worship team this morning, and they kicked me off. <laughs> like, I love to sing, I love music. I come from a music background. But I have no rhythm, I can't dance, I, I can't sing. And sometimes when i preach, my wife has to tell me after I'm done, she's like, you did really good, it was really good, but you need to make sure you're not singing the mic. Because you're just messing it up. So if I do that this morning, Sound guy, hit a mute on the mic, just turn it off, right? Because I don't want you guys around this place. I need you to understand, all jokes aside, that your worship is powerful. It breaks chains off. It restores marriages. It gives you breakthrough in jobs. It heals you. You do not need me to come set my hand on you. The Bible says lay hands and they shall be. That's okay, that's good, you can do that. But you know that God can meet you right where you're at in those bleachers back there on the left side, the right side? One touch from God could change your life. Whether it's a sickness, whatever it is, but it has to start for you. I can't do it for you. Pastor Ron can't do it for you. The worship team can't worship for you. It has to start with you. And I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I just gotta worship, where I just gotta shout. And I gotta take my focus off my current situation, what's right in front of me, and I gotta put my focus on God. And then when I begin to do that, all of a sudden, what I was so worried about, that I was so moved by, that I was letting it get the best of me, and I put my attention on the Father, and I begin to worship Him for everything He is, I begin to worship Him and thank Him for what He's done in my life all of a sudden my problems got littler and littler and littler and little and all of a sudden like whoa why was i even worried about that because god's got me he's got my back so we're going to stand one more time only for like three minutes i promise it's not going to go long so if you can all just stand with me right now the worship team's going to go with this for a little bit and what's going to happen is they're going to begin to worship they're going to lead you into worship but they can't worship for you because you are created to worship regardless you want to think that or not. You are a worshiper. But it's up to you what you're worshiping this morning. I don't know what you're worshiping right now in your life. I don't know you. I just met you. But I do know if you can begin to worship the Father that whatever you were worshiping when you came in you will not crave that anymore. You will not desire that anymore. You will want more of God and your life will begin to transform. Life will begin to change. So they're gonna lead us, and my buddy Pablo's gonna hit that drum because we're gonna go to war. We're tired of letting the devil control our life. We're gonna take control back of our life, and we're gonna give everything back to the Father. You guys, with me on this? I'm gonna worship right there with you. So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what sickness you have. I don't know how your job situation is. I don't know how your marriage is. I don't know what you're going through right now. But I do know that there's a God who loves you. And there's a God that wants to restore you. I don't know how your marriage is, but I know God can restore your marriage right now, in this instant, right now. Whether you're in the front row or in the bleachers in the back. But you have to worship and I want you to shout. I want you to lift up your voice. I want it to give you everything you got because when you begin to lift up your hands, that's not just a church thing we do. That's a sign of surrender to God. Look, God, I'm taking my hands off of it. I'm tired of trying to be in control. I'm surrendering to you, Father. So I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're believing for, but it can break off right now. The same thing that happened to Paul and Silas, is the same thing that could happen to you. They didn't focus that they were in jail. They didn't focus that it was midnight. They weren't complaining that they were tired. They begin to lift up their voice. They begin to worship the Father for how good he was. And the Bible says that suddenly there was an earthquake. You guys ready? Let's go. Come on Pablo. Come on Pablo. Come on Pablo. Let's go. you can do god <laughs> that are happening we thank you for the hearts that are being healed restored, we thank you for the marriages that are being restored, we thank you for the jobs that are on their way, for the increase Father, we thank you for unexpected raises Father, do what only you can do in Jesus name, amen you guys may be seated thank you worship team awesome you guys are amazing man I feel like you guys are good you has got an amazing worship team. Come on. I was like, hey, guys, come back up with me. And they're like, whoa, that's not normal routine, man. Come on. I was like, this is flow. Let's have some fun. I'm like, whoa, okay. So they just came up and did it. They're awesome. An amazing team right here. Let's give it up for them one more time. I'm sorry if I, like, scream a lot. I'm just really excited about Jesus. I'm sorry if I'm a little passionate because I just know what he's done in my life. You know, in every opportunity I get to talk about Jesus and make his name famous, which his name is already famous, but I'm just trying to help. I'm just another piece in the puzzle. I get passionate about that because I I grew up in an amazing church, but sometimes I was bored and sometimes I would count my pastor's closings. He had like five. He averaged 5.2. He was batting 500, so I'm just kidding. Um, And so I just like church to be fun. Church to be attractive. Church to be exciting. When you come to church, you should be excited. When you leave church, you should be excited. So that's why I'm the way I am. That's why I move around a lot. And you probably think I can move around so good in these skinny jeans, but I can. You didn't think that, huh? So I'm going to move around a little bit. And, so good thing that there's a camera. There is a camera. So this guy's going to be really busy. Um, so I'm going to uh, go to John chapter 4. We've got to jump in because we took some time away, but that needed to happen. Pastor Ron, it's an honor to be here, to be on your platform, to be on your stage. I'm going to say thank you for letting me be here. Um, you just met me 24 hours ago and you let me come up. If you were paying attention, you know that's not true. Um, so it's an honor, sir. I really appreciate it just to be here. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. Chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that uh, he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. This is the Pharisees. Don't you love it when religious people begin to take something so good that was happening, like baptizing people is a bad thing. Who cares who's baptizing more people? People are getting baptized. But here's some religious people trying to cause rumors and religious things, and they try to make something out of it. And they're like, did you hear that? Jesus was baptizing more people than John the Baptist? I mean, if your last name is Baptist, come on. How could somebody be baptizing more people than you? That's like being Michael Jordan's son and you're not the best basketball player. Come on. If your last name is Jordan, come on. You should be able to have a vertical of like 34 inches. You should be able to jump from the free throw line. I mean, come on, your last name. Come on. That's what they're thinking, like, how is Jesus baptizing more people than John the Baptist? So then he goes on and says this. So he, uh, it says in verse 2, though Jesus himself didn't baptize him, his disciples did. So then he left Judah and returned to Galilee. That tells me something right there. That tells me that Jesus did not have to do everything. Sometimes in church, and, and, and I know other pastors, not your pastor, he's not, this is not your pastor, but some pastors in California that I know, is, they feel like they have to do everything. They feel like they have to be the ones always doing everything. And, and you will wear yourself out. That's like in a marriage. If the husband didn't do anything and the wife did everything, the wife is really happy, right? No, she's not. She's frustrated. Why am I always doing everything? That just tells me right there that Jesus allowed other people to do other things. Because he could have been easily baptizing those people. But what did he do? He let his disciples baptize them. That just shows me Jesus' heart. It wasn't all about him. It was about other people getting involved in what God wanted to do. That's the way a church is. It's not sitting around one man, one man speaking, one person leading worship, one person always setting out the signs out in the parking lot, one person always greeting, one person always ushering, one person, the same person always in children's ministry. It should be a bunch of us because we are all part of the body of Christ. It's an example right there. Jesus is like, yo, the water's really cold right now, and um, disciples, jump in there. Like, it's freezing. I don't have a wetsuit right now. So you guys go do it. Obviously, he wasn't talking like that, but that just shows you that Jesus let, every, let other people do things. So the title of my message this morning is I Found You. Look around. Tell your neighbor, says, I found you. Tell another person, I found you. If you're single, stand up and look around and tell some people you found them. I'm just kidding. All you single people just got really excited Because for you guys, that one girl you've been having your eye on, you were about to stand up and tell her, I found you. I know how you single people think. But I am happily married for going on 13 years now. This is my beautiful wife right here, Rachel. You can please stand up and say hi to them. Yes, she is taller than me, and I'm still dealing with that right now. But that's okay. Platform, there you go. Got to get some boots like Pastor Ron. (laughs) So the title of my message is I Found You. This story that we are about to dive into is about a woman. Not just any woman. Very special woman. This woman had a rough life. This woman came from not a very good background. This woman was not living very good. In the Bible, it doesn't give us this woman's name. And there's actually different People in the Bible, in John's gospel, that they don't give you their name. Like the man at the pool that was born blind, a royal official, a paralyzed man, beloved disciples. It's interesting how the Bible does not give us these people's names. So let's take it for a paralyzed man. They don't give us the paralyzed man's name. They don't give us this woman's name. It's so that me and you can identify with this woman, can identify with this paralyzed man. You're probably thinking, well, Pastor Valeria, I'm not paralyzed. I walked in here. You may not be physically paralyzed. but you may have came this morning, you may be spiritually paralyzed. You may be emotionally stuck where you just can't move, and all you feel like is sleeping all the time. You may be so stuck that you just don't want to be around no one, that whenever you go to do things, you avoid people. So you may not be physically paralyzed, but emotionally, inside, inwardly, you may be paralyzed. We've all been there before. I can relate to this woman. I can relate to the paralyzed man. I can relate to these people because I've been there before. Don't you love it when you begin to talk to people and you're just talking to them face to face? And I love these people. And I really don't. I'm just kidding. They begin to share with me. And um, or I'm sharing with them and what, what I'm going through. Because I go through stuff too, just like you. And, and they're like, you know, I've never been through that. But let me tell you how to get through that. Oh, really? You want to tell me how to get through this and how to get out of this, but you've never been through it? Right away, I tune out. How about you guys? You're like, no way. You've never even been through this, but you want to give me advice? But I love it when people say, me too. Hey, me too. I've been there. You felt like not coming to church this morning? Me too. You felt like not reading your Bible one day? Me too. You felt like slapping your kids across their face? Not yet. Not yet. I'm going to do it one day, probably. You know, isn't it awesome how people just say, you're like, hey, me too. I've been there before. I know what you're talking about. So in this story, I want you to say, me too. Say it, me too. In verse 4 and 5, we're going to stay right in John chapter 4. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to a Samaritan village of Sagar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. When the Bible tells you that he had to go there, that means that he is about to encounter someone. Can you guys agree? I had to show up on my wedding day because my father-in-law owns lots of guns. So if I did not show up, I might have not made it to the next day. Jesus had to go there. That means that he had to meet someone. He had to encounter someone. He had to go out of his way because he had to go there. Jesus has has a certain route, okay? The the Jews took a certain route. They would avoid Samaria. Did you know that? That the Jews, when they would travel, they would go around Samaria. They wouldn't go directly to there because they they didn't want to have anything to do with Samaritans. So Jews and Samaritans didn't want to associate. So normal Jews that traveled, they would go around. But here Jesus is, is taking a direct route to Samaritan. Why? Because he had to go there. I believe that Jesus has certain routes that he goes that are directed towards you. Jesus has his own certain route towards you. He has his own certain route towards me. He had to meet me at some point in my life. I had to meet him. You had to meet Jesus at some point in your life. He has a route that is just for you. Just like this woman. He had to go there. Just like you had to be here this morning. Because some crazy guy from California just moved here was going to be here. I just want to make fun of this guy. I just want to laugh at him. It's okay to laugh. I like to laugh. It's funny. You had to be here today because God had something just for you. So let's continue reading. It's a good time to clap. Clapping is good in church. Come on, let's give God a shout. Come on, that was good. Most of us have been trying to avoid Jesus when He wants to take a direct route to us. What most people avoid, Jesus goes straight after. Like this woman. Tell you a little story, real quick, and Pastor Ron, just let me know on my time. I tell you a little story, and Last fall, my wife and I were on vacation, and we're driving up north to PCH. PCH stands for Pacific Coast Highway, and it's on the one. And we were going to camp up there and everything, camp on the beach, and it was, it was amazing. We loved it. We packed our car up. I mean, it was, thank God we didn't have any kids because they didn't have no room for the kids. Probably would have left the kids because stuff was more important. Um, so we packed out our car, and we went camping up north, and uh, I had got a call. It's always bad timing. Don't you love when stuff is bad timing? No, you don't. It's bad timing, and I get a call from my dad, and he's like, "Hey, your grandfather um, got in an accident. He was walking in front of Lowe's, going to the garden area, and um, uh, he got accidentally got hit by a car right in front of the garden area at Lowe's in Texas." I'm like, "What?" So they had to fly him to San Antonio, and I'm like, "Oh man!" So I was like, "Just keep me updated." So it's kind of hard to like be on vacation, and you're at the sunny beach, California. And you're swimming, you're surfing, and you're just like camping. And your mom, with my wife, and we're cuddling late at night, looking at the stars. I mean, it was awesome, you know, and. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about my grandpa. And so my parents would update me all the time. So finally, on Thursday, my vacation was almost ending at camping. They were going to go to Santa Barbara. And they'd tell me, hey, it's not looking so good. And so then um, I'm kind of like the peacemaker in my family. So I cause trouble and I bring the peace. So it's kind of just kidding. So I had to call my dad and tell him, no, he needs to be up there because he was still kind of working, going back and forth. And so he goes up there. And then I get a call Friday morning. We're on our way to Santa Barbara. We're actually leaving, I think. And um, they're like, hey, He's just not going to make it. He's just not going to make it. So, like, we're going to pull the plug on him. Because my grandpa had discussed before that that he didn't want to live like that. And so they were honoring his wishes. And, and so they're like, if, if you really want to be here, and so get up here. So, I took the first flight, me and my wife, out that Friday afternoon. And so I have some amazing friends in Texas. They picked me up from the airport in Austin, and they drove me to San Antonio. And I get to, to the ICU room, and my grandpa's just all tued up. He's all swollen. He's a big guy. He's like 6'3 plus, very healthy guy. He's a cowboy. He's strong as can be. I mean, he was strong. He was, I am mean, just a year before that, he's putting up his four-wheeler on his truck, and it fell off and landed on his chest. So he lays there, calls people to come get him, and he waits for them to come get him, and they pick it up, and he's good to go. That's just how tough he is. And so we knew he was going to get through this. And so, um... We go there, and my dad's there, my mom, my aunt, my small family on my dad's side, and my grandma and everything, and they don't really believe in God. And so I'm just being very respectful of that, you know. Um, and so I don't want to push what I believe, and I'm just being there for them, you know. And so um, we begin to talk, and she asks me to pray all the time. So I'm praying like every other hour and everything. And they just come to a point where we just want to pull the plug. So we waited for my other brother and sister to get there and everything. Everybody kind of gets together, gets in, they pull the plug. And it's just waiting after It's a waiting game after that. You just wait for them to take their last breath. It's the most crazy thing I've ever seen. My grandpa is in a better place right now. He's whole. He's healthy. He's dancing. He's walking around. He's he's uh, he's uh, working cattle in heaven right now. He is doing his thing right now. He's in a better place. It was an accident totally. And um so that last night that it was I was there. It was like one thirty in the morning, and my mom was really tired, and my wife, so we had to take him back to the uh, hotel. And my dad was gonna stay overnight with his mom and my his sister. And it's this long hallway. Probably half the size of this building. And it's just really long. It's icy. So it's like really dark. And it's 1 in the morning, okay? And w- when you saw my grandpa, you had to put on the gloves and the whole outfit and the mask and everything. So you had to take everything off. And so it's 1 in the morning. I've been flying. I've been traveling. I'm exhausted. It's 1.30 in the morning. Come on. Who wants to be bothered at 1.30 in the morning, right? You guys do? So the next person that bothers me, I'm going to send them to you because you enjoy it. Just kidding. So I'm walking and my wife's behind me. And there's like people like 50 feet out there. And they're just big circle. And all of a sudden I hear this wailing noise screaming the top of their lungs. I'm like, whoa, what is going on? We're in ICU floor, so either you're not going to make it through the night or they're just waiting for you to go. That's the type of floor we were in. And I'm like, what's going on? And they begin to scream, cry. And I'm like, whoa. I was like, is there any other way to go around to the elevator? And there wasn't. I'm like, great. It's the most awkward to walk through a family like that. There's like 20 plus of them. I mean, we're Hispanic. We have big families, you know. And they were like all huddled up there. And I'm like, excuse me. And I just kind of walked through. And, and my wife followed me right behind me. And she was trying to hide me, but she's taller than me. So I don't know how that was possible. And so she's coming right behind me. We go to the elevator. And I go to hit the button. And then I'm like, my wife looks at me. You know when your wife, who's married in here? Yeah, and you married a couple people? Okay. Some of you guys don't want to admit it yet? Okay, we'll pray for you. So you know when your wife gives you that look. There's two types of look. One look, she wants to crucify you. The other look is that she's giving those lovey-dovey eyes. Well, I was kind of in the situation where if I don't do this, I'm going to get crucified. But if I do do this, I'm going to get the lovey-dovey eyes. And I'm like, man, it's 1.30 in the morning. God, why are you telling me to do this right now? I'm like, gosh. I'm like, so I was like, man, I got to do this. So God wanted me to go talk to that family and pray for them. I had no idea if they were believers or not. I didn't know they had a bad experience of God, and they hated God. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what they believed. They could have been in Buddha. They could have, been like, they could have believed in reincarnation. Who knows what they believed? My like, God, why are you telling me? I'm on vacation. It's 1.30 in the morning. I just got here. I am dealing with my own problems right now. Why don't you send somebody my way? He's like, no. So I go back over there, and I find them, and I'm very sensitive who I go up to. And, I'm, and I was like, God, just show me who you want me to ask if I could pray for them and just talk to them. He he gives me to the biggest guy, 6'3", like 250-plus pounds. And I go up to him, and I'm like, hey, bro, um, hey, I overheard your guys' conversation, and um, I'm kind of here for the same reason. I'm kind of dealing with the same thing you guys are. And I'm like, I'm from California, and I'm just here visiting my grandpa. He's probably not going to make it through the night. And um, I'm a pastor over there, and I was just wondering if it was okay if I just pray over you guys because I know what you're going through. He's like, looks at me, sure. He's like, okay, cool. So I thought I was going to pray over him and like his sister or something. They grab everybody, all 20 plus. And we go into this room where that, the room, this room is where doctors take you to let you know the bad news or they let you know that your loved one has not made it. So it's a very bad news room. So we go in this room, and my wife is, can testify, and we all get in this huge circle, and they all just stare at me. It's almost 2 in the morning. So I just begin to speak life. I begin to speak love over them. And the crying, the the, the panic, and the, the storm that they were going through right there in that moment all of a sudden got less. And then the peace of God just went through that hospital room. And they begin to weep, but not weep like, panicky but just weep because they were embracing each other and they, be, they were loving each other as a family because they knew everything was going to be alright and they started putting all their cares and worries and everything they were going through in that moment and they started just to put more weight on God's word and what God said about them and all of a sudden what seemed to be a huge storm became very peaceful so I tell you that story is because I had to do that I had to go there I had to do that Why? Because God sent me there at that time, and I couldn't run away from that. That's how amazing God is. These people didn't even believe in God, and God sent them me. Doesn't matter where your situation's at or where you're at in life, God is still sending people your way. He still is. Let's continue reading in verse 6. It says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from a long walk. Jesus was tired? What? How was Jesus tired? So if Jesus got tired, that tells me it's okay for me to be tired. So for all you husbands today, when you go home, you tell your wife, I am tired. And she says, well, I got chores for you to do. Listen, woman, Jesus was tired. I'm tired. I'm going to sit in my recliner, and I'm going to watch some NBA playoffs. Can I get an amen for all my guys? Come on. Don't do that because you will get crucified. So that tells me right there that Jesus was tired. He's like, I got to sit. Let's continue reading. In verse 7 it says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. Imagine this woman. She's like, I don't even know you. You're asking me for a drink? And we're going to read later why she was like, you know how many husbands I've had to serve? And you want me to serve you? And it's at noon time. And you notice it's at noon time, the hottest part of the day. No one goes at noon time. So here's a Samaritan woman wanted to go at noon time because why? She did not want to encounter anyone. She didn't want to come across anyone. She didn't want to interact with anyone. It's not like how sometimes how we come to church. Don't want anybody to bother us. Got our arms like this. I just want to make sure nobody notices I'm here. They don't notice when I'm gone. They don't notice when I'm here. I just want to avoid because I'm just trying to try something new. This woman went at noon. Why? Because she did not want to encounter anyone. And if you read more about this story, they actually used to send the younger women to go to the well, Jacob's well. But because she had no younger women living with her, she had to go. So she was kind of older. And that bucket probably was not small. So imagine this woman is not having a really good day, and she does not want to encounter anyone. In verse 8, it says, He was alone that time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food, maybe some In-N-Out. If you go to California, try In-N-Out. And then in verse 9, the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritan. She said, Jesus, you are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. If you only knew who you're talking to. If you only knew. This is God talking. That's why this morning, if we only knew who we come to worship on a Sunday morning, whose name that we are lifting up, If we only knew what would happen if we began to lift up his voice and his name, what would happen? The windows of heaven would open up. If we only knew who we began to have a relationship, if we only knew we would pursue him even more and more and more and more because we know there's so much more to him. If we only knew. Sometimes I believe God is looking down at me. It's like, Larry, if you only knew what I could do. If you only knew, you would ask more. You would step out more. You would believe more. You would dream more. You would become more so then you could see more. If you only knew. I don't know about you, but this world is not going up. I don't know about you, but our world is getting darker. Most people will be devastated by that. I'm kind of excited about it. Because the darker the world, the darker the city, the brighter the light will be. The light mission Viejo. there you go. You know, what if God's like, if you only knew the plans I've had for you. If you only knew what I want to do through you. If you only knew if you would just give everything up and just follow me, what I could do through you. What if God's like that? It's not what if, he is. And, and if you're like standing here, Pastor Larry, I, I, I'm like in my 60s, I'm in my 70s, I'm trying to chill, I'm trying to relax, I'm trying to go on vacations, I'm trying to go to resorts, I'm trying to go on cruises, I'm trying to move to California, I don't know why you moved from there. I'm just trying to relax and chill. Are you like, wait a minute, I'm only 20, I'm only, t- I'm only a teenager, I'm only in my, I saw when you found my wife. No, 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 God can use anybody. God's like, hey, I don't care how old you are, I don't care where you're from, I don't care if you're from the north side, the south side, the east side, the west side. I don't care where you're from. I don't care if you come from a background of ministry. I don't come from a background of people in ministry. I don't come from that. I don't even come from a whole home. I don't even know who my father is. But but I don't dwell on that. Because I went from not knowing who my physical father was to knowing who my true father is. And that's where I get everything from. So God's like, if you only knew. So this morning, God's like looking at every single one of you in the bleachers up here. If you only knew what I want to do in the light mission Viejo, if you only knew what I want to do in the city of Santa Fe, if you only knew what I want to do with your marriage, if you only knew what I want to do through your kids, if you only knew what I want to do with your job, God's like, just ask me. It's that simple. It's very simple. You guys enjoying this? You see, Jesus wasn't there to talk about Jews and Samaritans. He was there to talk about a living water. And he surely wasn't there to talk about the Samaritan woman's background. He surely wasn't there to talk about her lifestyle. He surely was not there just to sit there on the hottest part of the day. His disciples are hungry. They went to get some in and out. And remember, he had to go there. He could have went another way. So he surely wasn't there to talk about what this woman was doing wrong. He wasn't concerned about that. He was more concerned about digging a deeper well in the woman. He was more concerned about setting this woman free. He was more concerned about giving purpose to this woman. He was more concerned about this woman's purpose than what her lifestyle was. So we get so caught up in people's lifestyle, and we forget about our own lifestyle. And God's like, whoa, if you only knew. I don't care what your situation is. I could do something. I want to do something. We could do some big things. We could take back the city of Santa Fe. We could really light this place up if you only knew. So in verse 11, and I'm going to speed up a little bit because of time. This is the woman. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water from? You know, I love this woman because if you do some more research, I told you I walk around a lot. If you do some more research, this woman... This is not a very good situation. And this was actually the the longest recorded conversation between Jesus and the Bible. And we never know her name. Jesus picked, out of all people, not even a Jew, he picks a Samaritan woman to have the longest conversation. And not only did he do that, he picked the hottest part of the day. Not only did he do that, he did it in Samaritan Village. That tells me Jesus is about people and right where they are at in their life. So this woman's like, man, Jesus, you have no idea how deep this well is. They actually say the well is about 75 uh, feet deep right now, all the debris and everything. So here's this woman. She's going up. She's going at noon, and she meets Jesus. And Jesus is like, I got some living water for you. I got something you've never had. Are you tired of drinking off of ordinary things? Are you tired of trying simple things? Are you, try, are you tired of trying imitation stuff? Are you tired of drinking the same thing after the same thing after the same thing? He's like, I got some living water for you. I got something that once you taste, you, I don't know why I'm talking like this, I got something once you taste that you're never gonna wanna taste again. That's what Jesus is like. He's like, I got something for you. She's like, but well, sir, it, it, you don't have a bucket. Sir, you don't have a long enough rope. Sir, you don't know how, long, how deep this well is. So many times we try to put limitations on God to what he thinks about us. He's like, whoa, whoa, I don't need a rope. I don't need a bucket. And I definitely don't care how long this well is. You think I need that? You see, she was so concerned about natural water. And she was so concerned with her bucket. So many times we think if we get different buckets, we'll be better. So many times we think if we get a, a, a new house, our life will be better. This, bl- this bucket represents a life. Your, 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 I mean, yeah, your life. Here you go. This, that's what this bucket represents. We get a, if we get a new life, our life's going to be better. If we do new things, our life's going to be better. But now what if I don't need that bucket? What if I get a new husband? My life will be better. You're not supposed to laugh, wife, because your husband's sitting right next to you. Just look straight forward right now. What if, what if I get a new car? Well, what if I go on more vacations? What if I get a different job that pays me more? I'll be more, more, more happier. It's all about more, 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 more. Well, what if I get a bigger bucket, and I got the biggest bucket in Santa Fe. I got the biggest house. I, I wear the nicest clothes. Uh, I get to go on the nicest vacations, and everybody knows that. I just go well, bigger, 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 bigger. Jesus is like, whoa. It's not about the bucket. So many times we put all our attention on natural things. I'm right there with you. I'm like, me too. There was times I wanted certain things. I wanted the nice house, on the water, nice car, beautiful wife. And so far the only thing I've gotten is a beautiful wife. It's not about the bucket. It's not about how deep the well is. It's not about if he had a long enough rope. Sometimes we think our problems are so deep that Jesus doesn't have a long enough rope to pull us out. And he does. I don't know where you're at this morning or where you've been or where you're headed to. You are not too far far gone for God. And I don't know if you're in like in a stealth mode where you're just kind of standing still and you you just feel like you're stuck. God wants to move you. He wants to continue to use you. He wants to continue to open doors for you. He wants to continue to put you in front of people so you can begin to talk about him. The rest of this story, we're going to go through it really fast. We'll skip verse 12. You can read that later. Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within giving them eternal life. And the woman's like, please, sir. The woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come back here to get water. She was so focused on going back to the well. He's like, well, woman, I'm trying to get you attention off the well, off your bucket. I'm trying to dig a well in you so that you won't have to come back here for natural things, you won't have to go back to those five husbands you've had and the one you're living with you're not even married to right now, that you can forget about those things and experience me, this living water, and once you taste it, you will never be thirsty again. You won't crave man. You won't crave drugs. You won't crave alcohol. You won't crave things that you know are not going to get you anywhere once you taste this. And I'm gonna sum her up for the sake of time. And she's like, she's like, whoa, okay, you don't get it this time. Go get your husband's. What you talking about, Willis? She's like, I don't have one. Oh, really? You're actually living with one that's not your husband. You've actually had five. And notice how Jesus doesn't stay right there. He continues to speak to her. He continues to have the conversation with her. And so, the rest of the story, in verse 25, we're going to skip around. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Man, God's like, You big dummy. I'm standing right in front of you. Like, I'm here. What are you waiting for? God's like, Look, I'm not there anymore. I'm in you. God's like, okay, I was there, but now I am living inside of you. I dwell inside of you. My name means the anointed one. So if my name means the anointed one, that means you are anointed to do everything that God has called you to do. God's like, I'm I'm, I'm not there. What are you waiting for? I'm I'm right here. I'm in relationship with you. Pursue me because I have a route just for you. I had to go to you. I had to create you. I I had to make plans in your mother's room before you were born because I want you to do some big things in the city of Santa Fe. So this woman, she finally gets it, and she runs back to her village, and she does something. He ran back to tell the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. They said he came streaming. Any fly fishermen in the house? Oh, yeah, see, Pastor Ron. I I can't say it yet because I haven't gone yet, but next year I'll be able to say it. Streaming. Other translations say, They were set out. They went out. There's four things we can learn from this woman. Say four things. She met Jesus. Do you remember the first time you met Jesus? Do you remember? I think we need to go back to that a little bit. I love what Pastor Ron preached on last week. He said, you had enough faith to believe for salvation. Now have enough faith to believe for this mountain. Faith pleases God. Do you want to please God? Have faith in him. Have faith in what he can do in your life. She met Jesus. Number two, say number two, she learned about him. She began to see his heart. And that was the one thing she had been searching for. She had been searching for love. She had been searching for hope. She had been searching for acceptance. That's why she had so many husbands. And so all of a sudden she began to learn about this Messiah, this Jesus that actually took the time to sit down and have a conversation with me. And and once I told him everything I was doing, he still continued to talk to me. That's how amazing Jesus is. The next thing, say number three. She came to believe in him. Do you remember the first time you actually believed in him? Imagine what, you remember what went through your head? thought you could do anything i remember my first encounter with jesus was worshiping go figure i can't even sing. and i just felt god i just felt god like i've never felt him before and i experienced him like i've never experienced him before but then i wanted more because you can't live your life off of one encounter with god one encounter can change your life but there's so much more to god He wants to have more encounters with you. But you have to pursue him. You have to worship him. You have to dive into his word because his word is alive. People that say the Bible is boring, I say they're boring. The Bible is full of life. I love my Bible. Next point, number four. Number four. She went and told other people about him. We are gearing up for the biggest Sunday of the year, Easter, where thousands of millions of people will go to church all around the world. And they will gather, whether they go for one time a year or whether they go every six months or whether they go every day, every weekend. It doesn't matter when they go. But thousands and millions of people will gather at churches all around the world for this Sunday. As pastors like to say, it's the Super Bowl Sunday for churches. So we're selling announcements at a good price. If you want to get your announcement there for the best commercial, I'm just kidding. You guys aren't doing that. That's funny, right? You guys can laugh. That was good. It's good to laugh in church. So she went out and told other people about him, And something so small, by leaving her bucket, It actually happens in the Bible a lot where people just drop everything and they respond to God and they follow after him. Remember the fishermen? They left their nets and their boats. Remember the tax collectors? They left their uh, tax collection tables and everything. They just stop what they're doing and they take off and they respond to God because they just met him and they want more of him. You know, I wonder when she went back to her village, could people see a difference? I wonder if there was a sense of freedom about her. I wonder if there was a sense of joy about her. I wonder if she talked different. I wonder if she walked different. I wonder if she looked at people in the eye now. I wonder if she walked with her head up and not down. I wonder if there was something different about her when she went back to her village. I guarantee there was. Because she just had a taste of the living water that is everlasting. She just met the Messiah. I wonder if some of you this morning need to Go to Jacob's well. Not really, but just taste again. Remember what that tastes like the first time? Remember when you first encountered God, how you felt? This guy just started believing God, and he started praying, believing in prayer, and and he saw a breakthrough through that. And what did he do right away? He wanted to tell you about it. He wanted to testify about it. It's because he's excited about that. That's because something's bubbling inside of him. That's because he, he encountered God in a new way this past week. So all he could do is tell you about it. Imagine if you did that this week a Monday at work. Imagine if you did that in your streets, in your neighborhoods. And if you live in El Dorado, you might have to walk a little further to your neighbor. But imagine if you, you just didn't keep it inside anymore. This place would not have enough seats for it next Sunday. Imagine how many people would come to Christ. You see, Jesus had something that was eternal and not temporary. The Samaritan woman was tired of temporary. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of temporary. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of going through the motions. I don't know about you. I want to experience more of God. I know there's more of God. I know there's more of life. I don't know about you, but my marriage is really good, but it can get way better. I don't know about you. But I don't want to live ordinary, and I'm tired of temporary things. I want the real thing. Like we say in Texas, I want the real McCoy. So if that's you this morning, you're tired of ordinary things, and you want the real thing, I want you to stand up, and I'm going to close. Only stand up if you mean it. Don't stand up just because, because everybody else is standing up. It's between you and God. I'm just going to say a prayer over you, and I'm going to close and hand this over to Pastor Ron. It's you and God right now. This whole place is standing. just you and God. It's you and Him right now. It's you and the Father. Lift your hands if you want. Put your hand on your ch- heart. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you feel comfortable. God's not looking at your posture right now to see if he's going to respond to you. He's just looking at your heart. That's it. I'm just going to say a prayer over you. If your hand's not lifted and you're standing for someone else, you can lay your hand on them. Father, right now, Father, we give you everything. Everything. We are tired of ordinary things. We are tired of living life the way we've been living life. We are tired of going through the motion. We are tired and tired and sick and tired of the situation that we are in. And we know there is more of you. We know you want to do more in us. So today, this Sunday morning, we lay everything aside and we Fix our focus on you. And we're not just going to live off Sundays. We're going to be in your word daily. I believe tomorrow morning there's going to be a sense of urge of you just to want to open your Bible and begin to read. I believe you're going to go to a new level in your relation with the Father. I believe you're going to hear his voice louder. I believe you're going to sense some more. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to set you up this week and put you in front of man. I believe you're going to get unexpected raises because of the stand you're making right now. I believe you're going to fall more in love with your spouse because you're tired of an ordinary marriage. So just receive those things. And Father, we thank you for this morning. Another day we, got, we actually got to live for you and breathe. Thank you for showing up today. Holy Spirit, you amaze us every time. We're so thankful for you. And we pray for every single person that we are going to invite this week for the biggest Sunday of the year. We pray for every neighbor, every coworker, every cousin, every family member, every parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, cousins. We pray for those kids that are running off in the streets. We pray for those homeless people. We pray for those city officials. We pray for everybody that we're going to come across this week and that we're going to invite them to the Light Mission Viejo. We're not going to be worried about if they say no or what they're thinking. We're just going to invite them. We're just going to step out. And I pray this place will be overflowing with people and that people will come to know you, Father, this weekend all across Santa Fe. For the first time, they're going to get their life back for the second time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Pastor Ron.